2: Welcome to a special edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. In this episode, i get you ready for Saturday's game in Auburn between number 13 Ole Miss and the Auburn Tigers kickoff set for 6 p.m. The game will be televised by ESPN. I'll visit with three guests, John Sokoloff of WCBI-TV, Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers, and Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports. Please make the Oxford Exxon and Blue Sky a part of your weekend. Stop by the Oxford Exxon on Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can still fill up outside. And uh, you can fill up outside, grab some uh, ribs inside. You can also check out their fantastic beer cooler. It's 34 degrees of sudsy goodness. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can chop that quote around. You can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. All guests join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street. From the cottages at Hooper Hollow, the Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. We're also presented by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. So whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football, your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp, it can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with the challenge in life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals no matter how big or small. I've used therapy as a way to handle stress, clear negative thoughts, mentally relax a little. It was a life-changer for me. Frankly, it increased my happiness. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp's a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable. It's entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. Switch therapist anytime you'd like. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash MPW. Now here's John Sokoloff on the Campbell Clinic Hotline. John Sokoloff, WCBI-TV in uh, Columbus. Kind enough to uh, spend some time with us here on this extra edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. John, first of all, thanks for being on. Appreciate it.
4: Of course, Neil. Thanks for having me, man. So
2: I was telling you before we got started, and maybe this is me being completely out of touch with the fan bases or whatnot. I really thought that the Kiffin to Auburn thing from last November was going to be a big topic of conversation this week because Ole Miss gets ready to head to Auburn to play uh, Hugh Freeze and the Tigers, and that doesn't really appear to be the case. Had, did that has that surprised you the way it surprises me?
4: Um. Yeah, I, I thought it would definitely be bigger for sure. I don't know. I don't know if it's the fact that there's a lot of other storylines with this game. The fact that Hugh Freeze is on the other side, maybe that's taken over. Maybe the fact that the that the team is doing really well, like that could be that could be another thing, or perhaps that this thing was the Lane and Auburn stuff was reported on so much last year, and we really got in. There were a lot of like you know they got into the meat and potatoes of kind of the whole situation so much a year ago through a bunch of different outlets that maybe I don't know. They, maybe they thought that um, it would be more of a storyline, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely would have expected it to be. A little bit more of a talking point this week for sure
2: has it been kind of vindication for you that lane has talked in some of the national publications in, in the los angeles times and others about how seriously he considered the auburn job how much it was on his mind that kind of thing i mean obviously you had that report on the monday night of the of, of after Ole Miss's game at arkansas before they went to mississippi state or played mississippi state that you probably you probably got written a little stronger than you wished it had been written, but your your reporting I thought at the time your reporting was on, I thought it was right. Uh, a lot of people thought it was right and Lane is all but said in some other articles that he didn't go that far, but that it was it was something that it was definitely he was considering and was trying to weigh and figure out what he wanted to do
4: well, I think actually what you just mentioned, Neil, is also perhaps another reason why maybe this hasn't been talked about as much as we thought because. We had the April ESPN article of him discussing that situation that came out. So, you know, there's and then the L.A. Times article a few months after that. So every month, few months, there's been that kind of small refresher with it. So maybe that's why people haven't spoken about it as much, because, you know, it's been in the news cycle. I don't know if vindication is the right word. Um, I just. I don't know. I mean. Like, clearly, it it was a it was probably I don't even want to say a tough situation, but like a big job change, you know, like that, maybe it was just something that, you know, was definitely thought about a lot. And and was a tough situation. I mean, we've all had situations before where there's a job offered and you really hardly ponder, okay, do I want to go? Do I want to do this? Do I want to stay? What's best for me? I mean, so so that that was probably part of what what kind of weighed on it there. And I mean, when you're dealing with jobs that are you know, SEC head football coaches where you're making almost eight figures a year. I mean, that's that's got to make it weigh on them even more. So I, I don't know if vindication is the right word, but it, it definitely is interesting that these kind of articles keep coming out. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I was having this conversation with um, a couple of guys on the beat. We were talking about just how it's the thing that I think the public doesn't understand sometimes because they're so emotional about these topics, but something can be true on a Sunday or a Monday and then turn out to not come to fruition Thursday, Friday, it doesn't mean that it wasn't true on Sunday or Monday. It means something changed. And yeah, if it recovered, like if we did this about the example that I used was, if we did this about a businessman trying to decide whether he was going to take, he's an insurance underwriter, right? And he gets offered a job at uh, a company in, in Chicago, and he's trying to decide, am I going to move my family from Houston to Chicago? And he takes the job. And then two days later, he gets cold feet. You know, his daughter says, Daddy, I really don't want to move. And he gets cold feet, and he decides to ultimately, you know what? I'm just going to stay in Houston. He calls him back. He goes, I've had a change of heart. I'm sorry, and blah, blah, blah. That's never a story. And if you wrote that in a story form, people would go, oh, yeah, shit happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. But when it happens with football coaches because it's so – there's 100,000 people at games and stuff and people are so emotional, they just lose their minds over it. That's not a criticism, by the way. I understand completely why people get worked up about it. But it's it's a career move. And sometimes people think they're going to make a career move and then something happens. And I I do think in Lane's situation, it was – It was twofold. One, Ole Miss just doubled down on its commitment to him. And two, his daughter, who had moved to Oxford from California, I think looked at him and said, I came here for you. Yeah. I I came here for you. You're going to leave now? And I think that hit him. He's a human being. I think it hit him in his heart, soul, and probably led to a change of heart because I do believe that he – it's not even referring to your story. I do believe that on the Saturday that they played Arkansas in Fayetteville, I do believe Lane Kiffin was leaving.
0: I think, sure. the,
2: I think the SEC network people believed he was leaving. Um, I think if you go back and look at his press conference after that game, you can see a guy who was checking out. He was leaving, and I think something changed, and that happens. It happens all the time in multiple fields, but when it happens to a football coach, it's just magnified.
4: There's no doubt in my mind that that he initially really wanted that job and then, you know, ultimately decided to stay. And, and you know, and that's just life like what you said. I mean, that's – like I've had those feelings in life before too, and, and you can relate to his situation more because I don't have any kids. I can't even imagine what the emotional aspect a kid would kind of bring to this whole thing. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think it was something he thought he wanted, and then, you know – Sometimes, you know, you, you think about opportunities and you think, wow, that would be a great opportunity. And then it gets like smacks, you know, smacks you in the face. You're like, wow, OK, this is really in front of me right now. Let me actually think about all of this. And then how you really feel kind of comes out and, and you really kind of weigh everything else. And, you know, I think Ole Miss is is a good situation for him. And I think ultimately it en- it'll end up being the better move for him. To, to not have taken that job. And I'm not just saying that just because Auburn isn't doing well right now. I, I just think that it, it, he might be you know better fit at Ole Miss than Auburn. I don't know if you agree with that.
2: I, I, John, I agree with it so much that in 2017, I guess it was, no, it was 2019, 2017, 2017, I get my years confused. In 2017, on the day that Ole Miss promoted Matt Luke from interim head coach to head coach, I led my ten weekend thoughts on that Sunday with "You should just hire Lane Kiffin." Wow! So I've been writing about Kiffin for the longest time. In 2019, when they fired Matt Luke, and it looked like they were going to go do this big search, and I don't know who they were going to hire. Maybe Eli Drinkwitz. I don't who's done a really good job at Missouri, but I was like, "Why would you not just hire Lane Kiffin? He's a perfect fit." And and he is in so many ways a perfect fit for Ole Miss. It, he he fits. He fits Ole Miss in so many ways. Ole Miss fits him in so many ways. They they wanted to be relevant. He made them relevant. I think he wants to be the face of the program. I think he wants to be the focus of the program. Ole Miss does that for him. Auburn would never have done that. Ever, never, ever, never. Ole Miss does it. I mean, Ole Miss, I mean, I always feel like people think I'm picking on them when I say this. Ole Miss lets Ole Miss has turned his Labrador retriever. (laughs) Essentially, the mascot, right, runs out and gets the the tea and comes back, and the crowd loves it. Everybody loves that at Auburn. Juice um would not have been the mascot. They they have
4: juice would be hanging out in in a club in a club suite before the game with with peanut butter and some treats.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he just wouldn't be the. It would it would be different. They Auburn was never going to make Lane Kiffin their program, and Ole Miss has, and it's worked. He's done remarkably well, and um, I, I don't. I don't think he would have gotten that there. And it's interesting. So about Kiffin, curious. He obviously took issue with your report that night, and then he kept taking shots at you. And then was like, "Okay, well, it, it, this will end." And then he still did it. And after a while, something clicked in my mind. I was like, "This is more playful than it is anything else." And. I remember telling somebody, they said, what do you think about all these these things he does to Sokoloff? I'm like, you know what I really kind of think? I think it's a sign that he likes him. And sure enough, he basically said that to you the last time. It was fairly recently. He had done the thing about you did a Jackson Dart tweet the week of, I think, the Alabama game, maybe. Yep. So, yeah, and he came back with this. What at first looked really aggressive, like, oh, no, you you're a state guy. You can't jump on the bandwagon. And at first, I was like, he's from Pennsylvania. He's not a state guy. That's the silliest thing in the world. And then I kept thinking about it. I'm like, no, this is Lane being playful. This is his idea of playful. And he likes John. John asks questions, and sometimes you'll ask him questions like, Oh, yeah, I knew you'd be the one to ask about this or whatever. And, and I'm like, he he likes him. And when he kind of said that, I'm just curious. You've been super professional about it all, and you just keep showing up and doing your job, which is what you're supposed to do. Over time, did you kind of come to the same realization that maybe he just kind of respects you, likes you? He disagreed with maybe that story or whatnot. But look, at the end of the day, Lane, Lane reacted in that visceral way to that story because that wasn't supposed to get out like that, I, mm-hmm. I think.
4: <clears throat> yeah, and I did. Uh, there were a lot of weird things that that week that came out like especially with you know the whole dynamic but i mean that that's a whole other podcast but what i will say is um i have had a bunch of i've had conversations with him outside of press conferences after that situation happened obviously and um and we've spoken about it but when it comes to him you know just like saying stuff at pressers my mindset is always yeah i i actually do think it's playful just because i don't think i'm you know getting ahead of myself by saying that because the guy is I mean, he, he likes to, likes to troll, likes to mess around with people on Twitter in a good way. I mean, it's funny. People like it. Like, I don't mind it when he tweeted that thing, you know, after my Jackson Dart thing, I I really, at this point, like, I'm, I don't even want to say desensitized to it, but I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, like whatever. But when he, when he does that pressers too, like I, I really don't mind either. Like, I'm not overly mad about it. I'm not going in there like, oh, is Lane going to talk to me again today? You know, like, uh you know like like a little kid i mean i, I do think it's playful and i, and I do think he likes it. i think he thinks of it as a bit and and my ultimate philosophy is as long as he just answers my questions and shows you know me and my my two weekend people cam dyer and gracie Barr, as long as they just show them respect answer the questions and i i don't care you can say basically like whatever you want like i've I uh, I can take anything. I'm not really going to get rattled by it, especially kind of kind of at this point. But I I do think it is it, it's playful and I mean, I know he said he likes me, but uh, who who really knows? I mean, it's kind of unpredictable, but um but it, it, it's added for kind of a different dynamic. I I will say like people on the beat will, you know, on the old miss beat, and there are a bunch of, you know, nice people on there. They'll just say, "Wow, like, yeah, he You know, like he, he just said that to you again at this presser. What do you think of it? People are like nice about it. I just tell them, I'm like, I mean, at this point, like I I really don't care. And that's the honest truth.
2: Yeah. It's the whole, I get that sometimes. Do you you think Lane likes you? Do you think Lane, whatever? I I don't know. I mean, I I don't know him. How can I know whether he likes me or dislikes me or has no feelings about me at all? I think he, I think he, I think he generally respects the work that I do as much as he respects any media. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I mean, he's. He's professional to me. He's he's fine. We're, we, there's no there's no. I've dealt with coaches who I thought were un unre- were disrespectful to me. You know, were were un- sure. in there, and and I've never dealt with that with Lane. So I, I'm cool with him being. Has a different personality. It's fine. Whatever. i and,
4: and, and also people like me and you. We're not going to brown nose- – any head coach you know we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna be overly fanboy oh everything you do is so great and whatever you know we, we try to I'd like to say kind of tell it like it is one just to get the most interesting storyline but two to ask real questions to find out what's really going on there and who knows maybe there's a world where he actually kind of respects that more than just the the um always agreeing and always praising every every little thing he does which i'm sure he doesn't dislike but I, i'm sure there's a there's a line in between yeah because it's life, our job to be his friend you know
2: yeah and your life doesn't change if you found fa- i mean if you found out that Lane kiffin really likes you like, like really likes you like what would that what would that change nothing <laughs> i mean okay cool i mean I, I don't i as long as he doesn't view me as unprofessional i'm good with it is, yeah. Is, hey, I'm I'm respectful, I'm professional. Cool. I'm good. That's it's not like we're going to hang. Like you said, it's not like we're going to hang out, you know. I mean, we're not we're not going to be buddies. And and it just anyway, I'm curious, dog, let's talk about his team. Before the season, a lot of people said 10 and 2 and I was like, "You guys are nuts. Th- this team is not going 10 and 2." And I am now beginning to kind of get the grill prepared for the crow. Um it 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 looks like this team has a chance to do something really special. What what do you think of uh, of Saturday's game at Auburn? And what do you think of this team in general?
4: I mean, the only way, the only logical way they lose Saturday at Auburn, in my opinion, is if the emotions off the field, whether that's him almost taking that job last year, the Hugh Freeze side of things, you know, them not beating them two times in a row in however many years, you know, whatever big storyline there is, any emotional off the field weirdness, that would be the only way because... I don't know how much of Auburn you've seen this year. It's not pretty. Mm-mm. It's not good that offenses it, – it's really tough to watch. It's the first year with Freeze, so he needs needs to kind of get his guys in there, establish his culture, kind of build it his way, whatever. This is the time for them to be able to to take advantage of Auburn, really. So there's no excuse for them to lose this game. I mean, in, in my opinion, just point blank. But in terms of the team in general – I think we've seen Jackson take way more of a step up than I thought he even would. Like I, I thought he'd be much better, but man, he's he's been really good this year. Um, the run game is starting to figure itself out a little bit more as as games have gone on. They've been figuring it out because that two lane game it was concerning their their inability to do that. But look, man, they're they're in a position now where. I mean, they they got AM and, and Vandy. I mean, they they could have one loss going to Georgia. I mean, that would be that would be massive. But I I, I think that that all that stuff is relative and people having high expectations. But I think mainly it comes back to, again, to Lane, because whatever you want to talk about, strengths or weaknesses, and we talked about this before the show, the guy has framed himself, and now he's not even just a coach, he's a celebrity. Everyone knows who he is. He's got a massive following. And then I think that helps big time in the portal and with recruiting guys like, wow, I want to go play for that guy. He's he's a celebrity. He's he's a big time college football coach. He's this. He's that. So that's kind of helped him. So combining that with his kind of great play calling, I, I think that's that's been kind of the recipe for them doing so well early on. Now, it's college football. Teams can have goofy losses for no reason. And could one of those come up? Who knows? Maybe. But I mean, This team, the thing that's really stuck out to me the most is the last two games. Because if you were to ask, oh, what do you like and dislike about Lane? All the stuff I just said before about the marketing of himself and branding, that's all great. The play calling is great. The main thing is winning the big game he struggled with. And also just kind of making those like late game adjustments as, as games have gone on has been a little bit of an issue. But if you look at the Arkansas and LSU games, Arkansas, they were down in the fourth and one. LSU, they were down by nine in the fourth and one. So... If he's turned a page on that, then this team could really do kind of something special.
3: Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion – Especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience and perfectly complement your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you're at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up the way you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws at you. Therapy can help clear your thoughts and it's great to talk to somebody that doesn't have a lot of preconceived notions. Sure, you got family, you got friends, but maybe they have opinions or emotions that are not exactly what you need right now. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P p.com Slash I
2: agree completely. I I, I don't think that I think because the expectation was that they would beat Arkansas easily. I I don't think people give enough credit to what they did that night because. You know, they 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 predictably had a little bit of a hard time answering the bell emotionally after that LSU game. He had to be on the field. You were on the field that night. I was too. You had to be on the field to understand just how, or in the stadium. You could. I don't. I don't think TV did justice to it. Understand because I've gone back and watched that game on TV, and it doesn't. It doesn't describe really what I saw in person. That game was emotional. That game it was. was. What he saw, and 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 there was a moment where LSU goes up nine points. That you go. That's it. That's it. That's an L. They're they're losing this. They can't get over this hump, and it looked like they they're not going to stop Jaden Daniels. They're just not. They can't stop them, and and LSU was rolling offensively. And you're just like they're, 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 that offense is so much better than the Ole Miss defense that they're not going to stop them. And, right. Um. Yet they did stop them. They got the ball. They scored. Got to stop. Scored. Got to stop. Win the game. It was remarkable. And then they come back seven days later, same stadium. You're playing a bad or an Arkansas team that's really hasn't achieved, that lost to BYU had just lost to LSU, all that stuff. And, and, and A&M had rocked them pretty good. And and you play them, and you, I know there's an expectation in the stadium that, hey, this is going to be a 17, 20-point game. And I, I thought it would be, I'm, so I'm not criticizing. I thought I thought Ole Miss would win handedly. And Arkansas hangs with them. And you get up 17-7, to seven and you think, okay, and Wayne said this. You know, there's a period where you thought, hey, we're, we're going to run away now. And you don't, you know, they get the long field goal, pulled it within seventeen ten. You miss your field goal, you go into the half, and Arkansas still in it. And then Arkansas kind of outplays you in the third quarter, and they go up three points, um, early fourth quarter. And you're like, oh, this is this is weird. And they were resilient. They got a, a drive, scored, got a stop, scored again, win the game, put it away. And you're like. I don't know that his teams the last couple of years were tough, were resilient, and this one appears to be. And so that is, a, that is something that shows to me growth in him and his staff in their ability to learn lessons from mistakes of the past. Because last season, when they lost to LSU, after that, they, they only won one more game, and that was at A&M, and that was close. They, and then they lose yeah. to Alabama. and They don't win again, right? You go get blown out at Arkansas. You lose to a bad state team. You 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 you're lethargic in a bowl loss to Texas Tech. I mean, you, you you don't ever answer the bell again. And this team has shown a different level of resilience. And I give him all the credit in the world because that's that's showing that hey, we learned from what we were a year ago, and we maybe maybe fixed it.
4: Yeah, and I think uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because last year they were up big on on LSU to start, and then lost cuz Brian Kelly's like all right like let me let me kind of kind of get my nose really in here and, and turn the page here. We should win this game and it seemed like that was going to be similar to that Saturday. I think Lane deserves credit for that in terms of turning the page and you know being able to adjust in those late game situations better. I also think it's like Jackson, you know. Jackson mm-hmm. was out there he's like all right, I'm down a score in the fourth quarter like I'm you know I, I need this moment really bad. Like he wants it. He wants to be out there in those big moments. He wants to you know have those game winning drives and I feel like when your players play better in those situations and that's a, that's a great sign for, for future games.
2: Uh, last couple of things I'm just curious I know you cover Mississippi State as well um, they're not off to a good start they go to Arkansas on Saturday there's this rumbling out there about Zach Garnett and his stability in that job do you put any stock at all into the sure. the, the, the idea that State could make a move if this season doesn't get back on the rail a little bit
4: well i don't know what his exact buyout is but from my understanding the the uh, structure of the contract makes it somewhat like easy to move on in the event that they wanted to and, and i think the uh, the reason that there's a lot of talk about that is one not only because of i mean oh and three and sec play i like they give up I think it's close to 400 yards per game. It's like 11th in the conference. They are three and three. I mean, it hasn't looked good objectively. It just hasn't. And a lot of people are thinking that because one, it wasn't Zach Selman, their new AD's hire, higher. And two, because of how the contract is worded, you know, and framed, if they can get out of it easily, people may want to move the page. And And also, it's a veteran team with a bunch of guys who have been here the last few years. And to see them struggling like this, you makes you think, well, what would happen next year when there's a lot of turnover on this team and, and all these experienced guys are gone. So there's a lot of things to think of. Um, I don't know. I, I think the program was in in a tough spot when when Michael Leach died. I mean that you know they didn't have an A D. It's about to be signing day. I mean so they wanted to kind of they wanted to kind of piece things together as quickly as they can. I, I don't I don't fully know when it comes to his job security But, Neil, to be honest with you, I think we're going to learn how Zach Arnett feels about his job security we could with how aggressive he is in this last stretch of games because Will Rogers could be out. I mean, he landed on his shoulder, a Western Michigan d lineman landed on his shoulder. Will was out the rest of the game. Who knows if he's playing? State has been very, you know, they've been very secretive about Will's status. So if Will's not in there, do you go with Mike Wright? Do you maybe go with Chris Parson? Maybe, maybe sell Selman on, hey, look how, how Chris Parson did these last few games with me. He's looking really good. Like maybe like next year we can build on this, he'll be our guy, and we'll continue to take steps forward. That so I I don't know about his full job security. Zach Selman seems like a vault to me. Nothing gets out. You never know what he's gonna do. And he's also brand new, A D here. But I, I think the way I, I would keep a keen eye. On how Zach Arnett plays these last six games, because I, I think it could definitely—you got to cam- campaign for yourself as a coach in yeah. college football. I mean, that's big time. So if you go, you know, one and five down the stretch with Mike Wright, there's not really that much to campaign on. You know,
2: it's what makes that game in Fayetteville kind of interesting because for both coaches, it's a big feels like a big moment. Like it's not a it's not a high profile game. Nobody really cares. It's yep. everyone, all eyes are on you know. Tennessee and Alabama and Ole Miss and Auburn and some of the other games. And you're like, well, the loser of this game in Fayetteville from a coaching standpoint is going to not be in a great place. Like this is a big moment for uh, Sam Pittman and might be a big moment for Zach Garnett because whoever wins it kind of gets to take a breath, right? But the the, yep. the the loser, the the scrutiny starts to really increase because both fan bases think this is a game you should win.
4: Yeah, and look, if they if State loses that game to Arkansas, you're 0-4, and, and then you've got at Auburn, at home against Kentucky, at AM, against Southern Miss, and then the Egg Bowl. The only other really guaranteed win after that would be Southern Miss, and that puts you at four wins, so that would mean, after that, you would have to win two of your final five games. I mean, that would be, I don't know, that could be a tough ask. So yeah, there is a ton at stake for the Bulldogs in Fayetteville, no doubt, man, and and if they lose that, they're in a really tough position. So if you don't make a bowl game with all the experience on this roster, something's got to change. I'm not saying, you know, they definitively have to fire Zach Arnett, but I'm sure Zach, Zach Summons, you know, paying close attention to everything and has somewhat of a of a plan in place.
2: Last thing, how how geeked up are you about your Phillies right now?
4: Oh, man. <laughs> man, I, uh, I'm scared at how confident I am. I'm scared at how confident I am. That's the thing. I mean – Arizona looked like somewhat of a scrappy team of destiny, and and the Phils have just have owned them. Absolutely destroyed them, those first two. Got to go to Arizona. And then on the other side, I mean, Houston's kind of scary, but they're down 2-0. We'll see the Rangers' bullpen. But I'm pumped, man. You, you got to love uh, gotta love teams that, that, that play better baseball in the playoffs. One of them is your guy Schwarber, man. Three homers in the last two games.
2: And the Cubs just cut him. They just cut him. They didn't even get anything for him. It's just it. So here is the thing with me and the Phillies. I I catch myself cheering for the Phillies. I like them. They're a very likable team. But Nick Castellanos wanted to stay with the Cubs. Kyle Schwarber was like such a big part of that World Series story in 2016. Came back from the knee injury and and DH that got the leadoff hit in the tenth inning. That ultimately, you know, led to one of the two runs that won the world series for this team that I've tortured myself with my entire life. And, (laughs) and Bryce Harper named his dog Wrigley. He wanted to go and they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even make him an offer. And I was like, Bryce Harper's the bridge from this era to the next era. Just do it. Just give him the money. And Philadelphia did. And God, has it ever paid off? I mean, they've, going to the World Series. It looks like they're going to another World Series and he's embraced the city and the people and he's such a good player and I mean, he's not even a first baseman and they moved him to first base and, and he looks like a natural there. Yeah, just it it's I have this love-hate thing with watching the Phillies. I love to watch them and then when I think about what could have been, I hate it. So it's it's that. But for it, guys it, like it, you, I I can only imagine how fun it is to to cheer for that team having cheered for that team your whole life because they are they are freaking
4: fun they they are and it's also more amplified too because they had a decade-long playoff drought before last year i uh i went back for the wild card series in philly against the marlins they make the world series tbd i'd love to go back but schwarber man yeah great clubhouse guy but with harper too i mean that that uh that year, everyone's kicking themselves. Oh, we didn't sign him. He also hit like 220 that year before he hit free agency. So maybe, maybe. they were a little more timid to give the big deal. Doesn't matter. Nope. nope. <laughs> Anybody who ever oh, watched
2: no. Harper knew that Bryce Harper was going to have a great career, and, and 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 he has. He's, I think he's awesome. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I, I always wanted him to be a Cubs so bad, and it didn't happen. And I'm 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 not ready to forgive the cubs for that and i I might, never, I might never be they'll have to unless they do something like this off season, like go get otani or juan soto or something like that that will let me forgive but right now i'm not ready to forgive i'm I'm ready to be vindictive so
4: cubs are, cubs are in a good spot man they're in a good spot
2: maybe so got a good got a good farm system you got to make it work got to get got to get over the hump but maybe they'll maybe they'll do it hey uh appreciate your time as always very much look forward to talking to you again soon
4: yeah thanks neil
2: my longtime friend, Jason Caldwell, inside the Auburn Tigers. I've known Jason since we were uh, both on the Auburn beat together back in my days, which was a long time ago. So I've uh, been, been doing this a minute. Jason, thanks for joining. How are you?
1: Absolutely, Kenil. I'm doing good. How about
2: you? I'm good. So I was just talking to John Sokoloff, WCBI, in, in uh, Columbus, Mississippi, and I was asking him this, so I'm curious whether your answer will be different. Is the... Whole Lane Kiffin Auburn thing from last
1: November—it
2: doesn't appear to be a story here this year, which surprises me. I thought it would be. Has it been much of a story there on the Plains?
1: It has not. Not even in the little. Not even the least. It hasn't really been anything at all. And so, I think I think he phrases right. Had this been the first time he had played Ole Miss, um, I think it would have been a much bigger deal. than then you would have kind of thrown everything in there. He's already been back to Oxford. They've already kind of done all those things. I think it's now made it where, hey, it's an intrigue because of the crossover. But I, I think it's just, hey, hey, it's another SEC game. <laughs> Better go try to win. And uh, it hasn't really been that big of a deal.
2: Before we completely put it to bed in your your mind, how close did Auburn and Lane Kiffin get to consummating something last year?
1: Yeah, I think there was obviously there was obviously talk. Uh, I think it got to a point where it said, okay. What does this look like for both sides, and then it became a breaking point. So I don't know that it ever went boom. Here it is. I think it probably got close enough, but I think on both sides they end up going okay. Let's take a step back. And once they did, I know the you know, lane. I, you know, I'd heard you know, family with him and, and staying there was a big deal. And then for Auburn, I think they're like okay, let's let's break this down a little bit more. Let's see what kind of fit we want. Um, and I think it in the end it it probably worked out really good for both for both situations
2: kind of leads into my next question obviously what kind of a fit has hugh freeze been so far i know that it hasn't gone on the field the way that a lot of people wanted it to go i'm not exactly sure what they were expecting but um in terms of just fit program wise that kind of thing how how has he fit
1: yeah it's been really good yeah you're right the expectations i mean the the word fan is fan for a reason um the expectations by some were completely off the charts i mean this was not going to be a team that was going to win nine or ten games i know Auburn, I mean, you get kind of spoiled because, Neil, you know what you saw it 99-2000 go from a terrible roster that that Tuberville took over in 99 to, to making the SEC Championship game in 2000. Heck, they went from 92 to 93 undefeated season. Went from 2012 to 13. They had had history of doing those things, but those rosters were in much better shape, and obviously getting Rudy Johnson made a huge difference in 2000 for that team. This team, now when you look at the transfer portal, yes, you can get better. But everybody else is doing the same thing. I mean, you run that old Misses roster, and, heck, it's just loaded with transfers, and a lot of other people are as well. It's still a recruiting battle. You're still having to go fight, and they had to do it starting in December. So they went, in my opinion, I, I told you this this summer, and I think it's backed up. They went from a roster that had no chance to be competitive to now having a chance to be competitive if they play, don't make mistakes, do those things. They did that against Georgia and gave themselves a chance to beat the number one team in the country. Did not do that against LSU, and and it's a much different matchup for them. And I think Ole Miss is a similar matchup to to LSU, but you're playing at home, which should be a little bit different. But overall, the fit's been good. Recruiting has been what I expected to be, which is you've got a guy now that understands recruiting that will go out, and and he's got a staff that will go out and, and hit the road, and it's important because they know it's the lifeblood. And I say this all the time, but if recruiting didn't matter and it was just coaching, then Nick Saban, the minute he walked to Tuscaloosa, they'd have won a the national championship year one. That didn't happen. They had no. to have players. And and so I think it's it. It's just about getting players right now for them. I think people now is like, okay, can we see the next step? Um, can you build from that Georgia loss? It didn't happen last week. Try again this week against Ole Miss.
2: So I, I covered Hugh Freeze for six years. I know him. Um, I know him fairly on a fairly personal level. Uh, we haven't always seen eye to eye on things. We've certainly had our differences, but I, I know him, and I watched his press conference on Monday. And he looks kind of defeated a little bit. He looks tired. He looks kind of beaten down. I'm curious if you can put that into some perspective. Is that? You know, when he was at Ole Miss, when he first took over at Ole Miss, he took over an absolute train wreck. It was a train wreck. There were no expectations. The expectation was, hey, will, will you guys even show up? You're, you're going to show up and play? Okay, well that's a win. I mean, that was yeah. the beginning of it, right? And then he had that kind of magical first season, and 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 it was a kind of a lovey-dovey deal for a long time. And then by the time he probably would have gotten hard questions about on the field, he mm-hmm. was gone because of the the getting yeah. fired. And then he goes to Liberty where there's nobody covers Liberty. There's nobody digging into Liberty. And now he's at Auburn, which is, it's a big microscope. There's a lot of media. There's a lot of media that ask questions. There's a lot of the the press conferences take forever and and, and all of those things. He looked a little worn down. Am I misreading that? Or or is he adjusting to a a different microscope?
1: I, I think he, I think he's, he looks like that way because of the offense. I think it's because it's been such a difficult transition. Um, because everywhere you go, you go, hey, it's it's worked, it's worked well. And then you come here and you, you, you go, okay, we're building a new roster. And you do that by bringing in a quarterback in the summer who didn't go through the spring. You got three wide receivers that didn't go through spring. Now you throw those guys in there with a group of guys who went through the spring, but it's still a new offense for them and trying to put it all together. And and meanwhile, you're trying to cover up for a defense that just doesn't have many, many bodies. Um, that's been the issue, I think. And I, and I asked him after LSU – He talked about it again Monday. At at what point do you go, hey, we've got to be who we are and go tempo and let the offense run and see what happens? They have gone slower. They've slowed it down. It hasn't been a turtle pace because they did do a a couple of tempo drives against LSU, and they worked. They went down for scores. I think they felt like, hey, we've got to try to slow it down as much as possible to protect the defense. Now, hey, it worked against Cal. really worked against A&M. It was just the mistakes that killed them. It absolutely worked against Georgia. But now you look, you've had an injury up front with Messiah and silly kite on the defensive line. You're even thinner on the defense. You're playing teams that are going to score. I think the decision, at, you know, what's happening at quarterback and the offense and then the tempo or no tempo, that's probably been as much as anything for me going – because, you know, as a coach, hey, he, he hangs his hat on being an offensive guy. And when the offense doesn't work, then you start going – Man, that, that that makes you feel much different, and I think it's probably been more than that in anything.
2: Why has – I know you just touched on a lot of it. The offense, is it is it as simple as they just don't have that consistent quarterback play to co- sort of make it work? You know, when he was at Ole Miss, he had Bo Wallace, who was a really good decision-maker at quarterback, and then he had Chad Kelly, who was a, an underrated quarterback, frankly. I mean, Chad had a tremendous yes. amount of arm talent. And then even at the end, he had Shea Patterson, and he had – uh, uh, uh Uh, Tamu who's still playing professionally yes he had guys he he, he doesn't appear to have that at he's got Peyton Thorne he's got Robbie Ashford Uh, Thorne's an inconsistent player Uh, Ashford doesn't appear to be a consistent decision maker is it just trying to figure out which one can make it work as much as possible
1: yeah I think the flip side of it is is that you mentioned all those quarterbacks run down the guys those got they had to throw to to me, that's, that, those old Miss receiving cores through those years were full of guys that a lot of wound up or are still in the NFL or wound up in the NFL. That's what Auburn doesn't have right now. I mean, you look at it, and they, and they brought in some guys to try to find a number one. It hasn't happened. It hasn't worked. Um, and so I think it, it's – you know, quarterbacks have had their issues. There's no question. But it's been an everything issue. You know, one game – you know, uh, against Georgia Peyton Thorne threw the ball really well and he said hey, we had six or seven balls that could have been caught though right now you're having to depend on 50-50 balls because you don't have a ton of guys that can get separation and do those things and in this league if you can't get separation and you're depending on 50-50 balls that's a hard road um, but you're, you're depending on making three or four of those a game if you have seven or eight right now they're not making any of them I mean they're, they're not making any of those 50-50 ball plays and so that's come back on the quarterback. So I think it's been it's been a little bit of everything for the offense. Obviously, quarterback gets all the the brunt of it. I don't think it's all been quarterback play. Um, but obviously, if you had a guy that was just taking over and you know could make everybody better, then that would be a different story.
2: Jordan here's kind of been a house of horrors for Ole Miss over the years. I mean, uh, Eli Manning won there once. Chad Kelly won there once. I think. Um, they don't win there much. Uh, they Maybe maybe three times in the history of the program they've gone there and won. It's what I think stops Ole Miss people from being super optimistic about this weekend, from being super confident. Is Historically, that's just been a really hard place to play. And Lane Kippen said on Monday that, look, Auburn analytically is a different team at home than they are on the road. You've covered a gazillion games at that place. Why is that, in your opinion, that Auburn is so much better? I know everyone's better home than
1: they are on the road. Yeah.
2: For Auburn it's it appears to be even more disparate.
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of it starts on defense. Um just a different team defensively at home, crowd noise, energy, um, all those things factor in. And you know, and so that that starts it when you when you're playing in front of your crowd, it impacts you. Like you know, last week Auburn starts out, they get the ball on the first possession, have false start, have two penalties on the first drive, and and you punt away, you have two, three and outs. you look up, and you're down seventeen nothing. Um those are things that probably don't happen at home. Now, you might still be down 17 to nothing to that LSU offense, but um, I think the crowd noise and energy, all those things, really lifts the team, and we've seen it over the years, no matter where you are, but it does have an impact at all. Um, there's no question about it. I mean, it's, it's a crowd that gets into it, student sections right there. It can have an impact, and I think a lot of it is belief. Hey, you believe, hey, we're playing at home. We're going to win this game, and so I think that's as much as anything.
2: How do you see Saturday sort of playing out? It's, what do you anticipate?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it, there's two things you have to do if you're Auburn right now. You've got to find some plays on offense. I mean, there's it doesn't matter who you're playing, but if you're playing Ole Miss, you've got to be able to score. And, and so you have to find a way to make some plays on offense. And the other thing is 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 that you can't let Ole, Ole Miss run the football. That's, that's it. That's where it starts. I mean, you look and throwing throwing the ball really well. Um, Jackson Dart's making a ton of plays in the passing game. But it's because they can run the football. And they got two guys that can really run it. But if you're Auburn, it has to start there. Because if you let it, let them run it, it we showed last night against, I mean, no, last Saturday night against LSU, when they were able to run the football, then it opened up everything. It will be the same thing Saturday night. If Ole Miss has success running the football, then it's going to be tough for Auburn to stop them.
2: Just kind of emotionally for Freeze, do you sense – I know he says, hey, I've done the Ole Miss thing before and all that, but this is – I wrote this on Sunday. It's his first time to play Ole Miss as, quote, equals in, in a way. They're both in the same league now. It's one thing when you bring Liberty into, into Oxford for an 11 a.m. game in November that it's kind of sleepy and, you know, it it, it is what it is. It's a, yeah. it's a different thing when Ole Miss comes to your place and you're the head coach at, at Auburn. What do you sense this game means to Freeze?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's obviously – Probably more important than he would let on to begin. You know, maybe during the week it has to be. I mean, there's, there's. He talked about it. I mean, this is a place that he got his first real shot. He got a shot, and and still is is friends and knows a lot of folks in Oxford and, and that are connected to Ole Miss and um, and is fond of that place. So I think it's obviously important. And you want to go out and put your best foot forward. And so I think as much as anything, you want to go out and show, hey, I'm 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 still good. I'm still there. We're going to get this thing going. And you're facing a team that can take that away from you pretty quickly if you let them. And so, yeah, I think it's it's obviously going to be important. I don't think there's any downplaying that. I do think, it, as a coach, you try to go, "Hey, look, they're all the same. This one's probably not all the same, especially year one." But um, in the end, you know, I think for him, he'd say, "Hey, look, if we go out and compete and do what we're supposed to do and give ourselves a chance to win." Then, then they would feel good about you know that opportunity to play at home
2: feels like a pretty big spot for Auburn, too. If you're going to salvage something out of the season, probably starts now. Maybe it starts next week. You could beat State, go to Arkansas and win. You still got Alabama down the road. I mean, I don't know what the expectation realistically is, but maybe to get there, you probably have to grab one here soon, right?
1: Yeah, I I thought this season was a – you had three that you go, hey, you probably can chalk those up as wins. They had two of those early when you talk about – you know, New, UMass um, New and Sanford, and you got New Mexico State at the end. Then you have three where you go, man, those are going to be really, really difficult. You've had George and LSU and, and Alabama at the end, even though Alabama at home is always a, an opportunity. And then you had six where I went, I think those are probably games that, that, that are gettable, toss-up kind of games. You've had Cal and A&M, and now you start a run of those again. Ole Miss is a game that hey, they're ranked, favored. But it, at home, that's a game that, if you play well, it's a gettable game. But then you got Mississippi State, band and Arkansas. You're right. These next, really starting with Ole Miss, these next five games, ending New Mexico State before Alabama, this is really the definition of this first season. Because I thought this was a, a team that could be seven and five, maybe eight and four if things went well. Um, and so you look now and you go, okay, this is your opportunity now to see if you can uh, scratch off a couple of those and get a little momentum because this is a time when you can build a little momentum during the season.
0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block.
4: It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Uh,
2: How much do you think he's going to dive into the portal after this season? There are people that are doing the, like, joseph goodman and those type people he's gonna have to do a dion and do half the roster that's not really realistic in today's in today's football because of how the the portals the portals expensive i mean the bottom right the the, the top of the portal super expensive um i don't know you don't give a number but how involved in the portal do you think they'll be
1: yeah i mean i think i could see i could see eight to ten guys somewhere around in there um got a really good recruiting class already started um, they know this is a process build, and you're right. You look at, at Colorado, and you go, "Boom!" They had to. Do, well, they didn't have to. They did what they did, um, and it worked. But it worked for a lot of reasons because they brought in two legit NFL players along with all those other portal guys. Yeah, it's hard to have. It's hard to have that built into a move. Dion had that at Colorado. If you could, if you bring in Shadur Sanders and you know Travis Hunter, and then you plug in about. Twenty-five other guys, you're probably going to be a whole lot better than you were the year before. Um, That's not realistic at most places, and so I think I think for Auburn, pass rush, uh, defensive line guys are going to be a focus. I think for this group, Um, they got to get better at that area. You got to be able to rush the passer, and that's been an issue (laughs) issue for them. Then you're, you're going to lose three of these transfer wide receivers you brought in who are one year guys. Got three committed that are that are exceptional right now, but you probably want to have another veteran. So you might delve in that department again, maybe an offensive lineman or two, but they've done a pretty good job of starting to rebuild that already. So I don't think it's going to be a huge deep dive. I think it's going to be, Hey, let's go find elite guys that maybe we can get in and bring in that can make a difference more so than let's just load it up again.
2: Last couple of things. Uh, and I really appreciate your time, Jason. Um, it, it's, it's not many Ole Miss people, but a few starting to kind of look at the schedule, maybe putting the cart in front of the horse a little bit, which is what fans do. It's not a criticism. They look at Georgia all of a sudden and say, hey, no, Brock Bowers, this might be gettable. You've seen Georgia. You saw Georgia play a game where had Brock Bowers not been on the field, it might have been a different deal. Yeah. What were your, what were your thoughts of Georgia?
1: Yeah, it is, it's still a really talented roster. There's no question about that this is not the Georgia that we've seen the last two or three years. They're just not as good up front defensively, in my opinion. They're still good, and their defense numbers are still right there. But I mean, Auburn ran for over 200 yards against that Georgia team without much of a passing attack. Um, offensively, um, Carson Beck is a guy that has some arm talent. They've got some guys outside that have stepped up and made plays, but they don't run it nearly as well as they have. It's hard for this team to line up and just run the ball. No, I think Georgia is – I mean, we've seen it. Um I mean, they've given up some yards, given up some points. Now, they've scored some, but all of a sudden you take Brock Bowers out of the equation, and, and it's a completely different offense in my opinion. Now, Oscar Delp's pretty good, and people will see that, I mean, he's not – nobody's Brock Bowers, but he's pretty darn good. He'll give them some of those similar things. But I, I think I think Georgia is a team now that is very gettable for an Ole Miss because of their ability to score. Um, it could be a really interesting game.
2: Last thing, we'll put the uh, cart right back with the horse. What's your kind of thoughts on what happens Saturday?
1: Yeah, yeah come back and forth, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard right now to to see Auburn being able to score enough points. Even though I think I think they can win the game, I think they to do that they're going to have to go. Hey, it 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 may be in the mid thirties, but you have Kim on the defense to create a couple of turnovers. Jackson Hart hasn't done much of that, but this Auburn defense has forced a few of those. So. Yeah. Can you grab a few of those and get some tempo going and get some rhythm going on offense? Um, and so, I, I, you know, I think they'll, I think it'll be better, but it's still hard for me to see them scoring enough to win this game. I picked Ole Miss to win a close one, I believe. I might have picked Auburn. I can't even remember who knows, but I think it's going to be a close game because that home field advantage is such a big deal. But um, Auburn has those things they must do. Um, this team can't overcome, you know, turnovers, penalties, those things. They have to play pretty clean to have a chance to win. Jason, is always great
2: visiting with you. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Ben Mintz, Barstool Sports, kind
2: enough to join us, as he does most every week. We're going to talk, uh, talk Ole Miss and Auburn. We're going to talk a little bit of college football. We're going to get some Ben's thoughts on NFL week coming up. Mostly we'll talk Ole Miss and Auburn. I always got a lot to say about this game coming up on the Plains. But first, Ben, uh, first, thanks for being with us. And secondly, uh, you and Dave Portnoy have uh, partnered with the Grove Collective, with uh, Brickwatch, Brickwatch. Um, Pretty interesting stuff. It was a, I thought it was a pretty big announcement on on your part, on Dave's part. Anytime, I don't think older people understand how much Dave Portnoy and Barstool resonate with younger people. And so,
5: yeah, no, I think I think it's awesome. And I'll be honest, I thought of the whole thing because I was when Dave hired me for Brick, watching late May. You know, I'm certainly never thought, you know, I grew up dreaming of being a watch salesman. Life's pretty funny. But I was trying to get creative about it. Like, okay, you know, how do we move these watches? Because, I mean, let's be honest, it's almost a $2,000 watch. It's a really big purchase. And my thought was I have a great relationship with Walker Jones and the Grove Collective. And Barstool's brand is so strong with colleges why don't we try to do something to take advantage of our brand that can help the schools because we're already so strong there? And I went to Walker Jones about it and he loved it. And I went to Dave about it and he loved it. And the coolest thing was Dave came all the way down to where the Grove Collective gets a thousand. And at checkout, these watches are 1919. 19, so Dave's only getting 919 and the Grove Collective's getting a thousand dollars. And you know, it's uh I stuck my neck out on it, as did Dave. Uh, the, the, the goal, so if we sell 50, which I think we're going to do, if we sell 50, Barstool College football show with Dave, Big Cat, Brandon Walker, Casey, myself, uh, will be, I believe, in the Grove for a game next fall. Uh, I mean, I want it to be the Georgia game. I'm already chirping about it behind the scenes because I know how fun that would be. Dave's all about it. Uh, current update on it, we're almost at the exact halfway point a weekend, which I think is great. You know, I hey, look. I appreciate every single purchase. I'm giving phone calls. If you're interested in supporting this, DM me on Twitter or Instagram. I, even if I know you or not, I'll reach out, give you a phone call. Uh, and even if you're not buying if you're just interested and want to say hello, I'll call you and say hello and introduce myself. Because, look, sales thing, I mean, that's a big commitment, man. I appreciate it. I mean, we're talking 2K. You're talking house payments, car payments, etc. So anybody that's uh, willing to support Old Miss, the Grove Collective, Dave, And me, uh, I just want to say how much I truly appreciate it. And uh, I think we're on the right track. Like I said, I mean, we're almost at the halfway point. You know, analyzing it from the 10-foot pole view, I thought selling the first 20 to 25 would be pretty easy. And the hardest part is going to be getting to 40. Because I kind of, you know, I have a lot of connections. I've made a lot of personal phone calls to get to where we are. But I think once we get to 40, getting from 40 to 50 is going to be real easy because we're going to be close. So uh, I'm trying to really turn it up this week. Uh, I've got a big, big one uh, announcement on the social media coming in the next day or two uh, that I think is going to really start up big old misfigure. So hopefully that's going to get us more momentum. But as I said, last thing, DM me at Stool Mincy, Twitter, Instagram, if you're interested. Uh, I'll give you a call, say hello, and uh, we can talk about it.
3: Take a break in the podcast pod- about Hill Creamery, JohnstonHillCreamery.com. Offering all their tailgate packages to you this football season. Vanderbilt coming up next week, Texas AM in a couple weeks. Big games, great games to tailgate. If you're a rebel, you can pick up right there at Chicory Market. You just specify what game you want. What day you want to pick up, Friday or Saturday, and Johnson Hill Creamery can help you out. 10, 20, or 40 is how many people they can feed. They've got great charcuterie trays, artisanal cheese trays. They've got the feta dip, the pepper jelly, the crudité, the cookies, the brownies, great stuff for kids. The cheesecake dip, it's a huge favorite. So many options there, but Johnson Hill Creamery, again, you can order right there online at Hill Creamery dot com. Podcast also brought to you by Prime Shrimp, Primeshrimp.com. Seven different flavors available for you. A couple of my favorites are the New Orleans styles bar, style barbecue, the signature. It's a great garlic flavor on that. As well as their full meals in a bag. They got the garlic herb butter, they got lemon cracked pepper, they got French Quarter Alfredo. So many options with prime shrimp. It's a restaurant quality shrimp from the new York, New Orleans based company. They also have their two pound bags of individually frozen shrimp like what's at the grocery store, but a higher quality shrimp there, again, from Prime Shrimp. So, code RG, 25% off. You buy five pouches or more, stock up with your favorites, try some different things. Code RG, primeshrimp.com. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer MedSync. to feed prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. They also will let you transfer your medications. You don't have to stay with those big box pharmacies. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. That's GNM in Oxford, 662-236-2222. Podcast also brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. Season tickets for basketball on sale. Men's basketball under Chris Beard. Women's basketball tickets as low as... $50 per season ticket for the preseason 12th-ranked Lady Rebels. They also have their season tickets available for baseball going on. You can get renewals. Get your season tickets for baseball coming up here in the spring. And then the uh, Tad Pad game, Tad Smith Coliseum in November. Ole Miss basketball, men's basketball back there against Sam Houston State. It's not on TV. It's not streamed. you got to be in attendance to see the game. They have VIP packages. Got a lot going on that night. Ticks.com. And last but certainly not least, podcast brought to you. By Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. It powers the Clark Ford Studio. It's what I've got at home as well. It's outstanding. It's your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com 662 662-238-3159. Phone service, portal controls, network security, and much more. Again, 662-238-3159.
2: All right, so let's talk about this game. Ole Miss is at Auburn, six o'clock, ESPN. At Jordan Hare, not exactly the friendliest place in the world for Ole Miss. Over the years, uh, Hugh Freeze on the other sideline. You got to think if if it's possible for him to have a plan, he's got one. Um, the lines like uh, seven, six and a half as of this moment. Um, what do you what do you think?
5: Well, the early line before, before LSU massacred Auburn last week, 48-18, the early line was Ole Miss minus two. And then Auburn loses by 30 on Saturday, and everybody saw it, and then it comes out at four and a half. And then the initial public bet it all the way to seven, and now six and a half. I'll be honest. I always am on here. There ain't no chance in hell I'm taking Ole Miss minus six and a half on Saturday in this game. No I think Ole Miss can win the game. And when I break it down, though, here's where Auburn is. They stink on the road because they can't throw. Their entire passing game is between the hash marks. They can't make any sideline throws at all. But when they're at home, the Auburn has an. Un- they have a great crowd atmosphere. I mean, I've always said it's one of the most underrated in the SEC. It's a 6 o'clock night game. It's the free Super Bowl. We're playing the – Ole Miss is playing the Auburn team that almost knocked off Georgia. That's the Auburn team we're playing. We're not playing the team that got rolled at LSU and rolled at State and almost lost the Cal. They're a different team in that building. This is a night game. This is a blood murder game. I mean, this is – like, and I'm not saying Ole Miss can't win. I think they can win. But I'm hoping for a 23-20, just survive in advance situation here. You know, and uh, I think it's just – it's – Auburn's going to fight hard on defense. Freeze is going to have a trick play or two. He's going to try to pull to steal some points, whether it's an onside kick or a flea flicker or some whatever he's got coming in this game. And Auburn's, you know, like I said, the home field advantage is good. So I will never take Ole Miss laying the points here. I just hope Ole Miss survives. What I also have an opinion on, I love under 55 and a half. I think we're, like I said, I said 23 20 Ole Miss. I think Auburn's defense is going to fight really, really hard at home. And Auburn's offense, we've seen it. I mean, they 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 they've got a decent running game, but their passing is so limited. Uh, if Ole Miss can spy on the quarterback runs, whether it's Peyton Thorne or Ashford, you know, Auburn's gonna run it. They ran for over two hundred against Georgia. But like I said, they literally they can't make those sideline throws. Like they just can't do it. And so that limits their offense, but I think they're gonna fight hard at home. So like I said, uh you know, I, I'm just hoping Ole Miss squeaks out an ugly one here and we can all get on with our lives.
2: Yeah, if you're just talking betting, I don't hate the Auburn money line in terms of a bargain. It's, it's plus it's 215. Look, I think Ole Miss is going to win the game. I'm with you. I think this is close, man. I, I
5: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. And I think there's just such an overreaction to what happened in Baton Rouge. And, that's dude, that's moved the line four and a half points. It's crazy. And I said two, even before two, last week, and,
2: Three things. Auburn's not particularly good away from home.
5: They're terrible on the road.
2: Uh, LSU has a, a home field advantage. And LSU's offense is – no one's going to stop that offense. It's going it's to roll. They're going to get points. And so all those things got going. I mean, if Ole Miss can get off to a hot offensive start, maybe. Maybe you got a shot. But, boy, well, if you – I, you... I,
5: I, I want to ask about the receiver. What are you hearing? So now I'm hearing Jordan Watkins is trying to play.
2: Okay, so he broke his hand. He had surgery. Lane gave the sort of cryptic answer that he always gives about injury. There's a rumor that he's going to try to play, but trying to play and playing effectively are two different things. You know, and so it's difficult for me to believe that a guy who broke his hand, had surgery, is is back, and he's going to be super effective, and he's going to be able to make every every play. It's just – Sure, that he's out there and you have to guard him because he's such a good receiver and he's been such a big part of the Ole Miss offense, I buy it. But that he's going to be 100% and he's going to be able to just make every play that he normally would make, it's difficult for me to buy. That's all. I mean, I, I don't – it, it okay. feels like some gamesmanship a little bit. And, and look, they've if there's, they're having a really good year. There's not much to criticize. If you have a criticism of Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss coaching staff today, middle of October, it's how come you guys can't get some of the young receivers going? How come you can't get those guys involved in the offense? Other than that, there's really no criticism, but it, that is one, and it's valid. I've asked it of Lane before, and he said, hey, it's, that's valid. He said, I think his words were, that's fair. And for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to do that. So is it possible coming off an open date that they've got those guys ready and they're going to go do some things? Sure. Have I is well, there? The evi- not, there's no back evidence back of it yet though, right?
5: Yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask is what are you hearing about Trey Harris? Because he left that Arkansas game with a lower leg injury again, and we'd already seen him bang him up and he'd been dealing with the stuff since he got hurt in two lane. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know when he's not healthy. Our the Ole miss passing offense takes it has been nosediving when he's not out there, how important he's been this year and i i had you know i mean, like you said lane's cryptic with injuries i mean i think he's gonna play i hadn't heard anything that he won't but i'm worried about i'm worried about that too
2: everything i heard about harris is that if they had had a game last week it might have been iffy but that he's fine
5: okay no that's big because uh, i just think like you've seen the passing game whether he's in or not and it's just been like crazy how much he's mattered this year because and you know also when you think about auburn Remember two years ago, Ole Miss goes 10-2, and and one of their only losses was at Auburn when Ole Miss's top three receivers were out in that game. Yep. And so the Watkins and Harris thing, like, brings back a lot of that. You know, it just kind of feels like a weird, similar, you know, history repeats itself kind of thing. But, like I said, I just think survive in advance. You know, I said twenty three twenty. 20 That's the third time I've said it on this on this uh, interview. But that's kind of what I think is coming. Uh, I really love under 55.5 a, a lot. I think it's – I just think it's going to be, uh, you know – close lower scoring game I think is what's coming here.
2: Yeah I, I, I can see that. Um, kind of around the SEC a little bit there's some other intriguing games that that certainly have some interest. The one that really comes to mind to me is Tennessee at Alabama. I know Ole Miss people are just waiting for Alabama to lose a game so that maybe they'll lose a second game because they're trying to figure out a way to position themselves to Atlanta in a world where they they beat Georgia, but. I don't think this is it Ben. I, I I don't I don't think they're I don't think Alabama's losing to Tennessee. In fact, I think Alabama's rolling Tennessee.
5: Yeah, now Bama the gambling stuff Bama's my player of the week. I think they're going to beat the crap out of Tennessee. I mean, I don't even think like think about this rivalry. Tennessee won last year for the first time in what, like 17 years or something. I mean, it's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. Bama ain't happy about that. And then, you, I don't know if anybody's watched Tennessee play this year, but that Florida effort on the road, their offense stinks. It's crazy. I mean, it shows how good Hendon Hooker and those receivers were last year. But Joe Milton is very, very inconsistent. They've been winning. They won that A&M game because their defensive line and defense has improved. But you saw the effort at Florida. You saw the offensive effort at a and I mean, they're not going to be able to score much on Bama. Like, and – you know, I know Bama's been inconsistent on offense, but I think Milro has taken a little bit of a step forward. We saw it against Daniel. The thing that's throwing people off the smell of this Bama bet is Bama was up big on Arkansas last week, and they had a huge lull in the second half. And it was an 11 a.m. game. And I'm not saying there's an excuse for the lull because Arkansas only ended up losing by three. But it was like Bama got up big, and they kind of put their foot off the gas, and they, you know, they they got it in the locker room.
2: They, they and here's the other thing though: is Arkansas's improved a little bit on defense, and they're better on defense than than people think they are. And and you know, they played Ole Miss pretty well defensively, and then they played Alabama pretty well defensively, and they they hung in it just long enough for KJ to make a couple of plays, and the next thing you know, like you said, they fell asleep. Up, it was twenty-one to six at the half, and. They went in and they're like, "We're done. We got Tennessee next week." And the next thing you know, it's a football game. But, exactly. But I don't think Tennessee's as good defensively as Arkansas is. I, I, I know that sounds crazy. Arkansas is bad because their offense is bad. Their defense has been so
5: their O line. Yeah, it's weird seeing Arkansas have such a bad O line. Yes. You know, you
2: think Pittman's an O line cut? You know, right? So but just... defensively, they're they're okay. They've got two or three disruptive guys on that defense. Their secondary's not bad. Landon Jackson's a really good defensive end who is disruptive. They they don't get enough credit for that. They're bad. Their record is what it is because a they're, the people that made their schedule should be shot, and 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 b they're just they're so bad up front with this scheme that that they can't score points.
5: Yeah, well, I just my thing is Tennessee's offense. I mean, I saw what happened at Florida. I saw them standing up. I mean, I, I Bama 34, 31 or 34-13 Bama was what I got here. I think Bama. This is you're going to see a huge effort. They're going to kick the crap out of them. And I saw the lines dip from nine to eight. Man, if you can get this thing at seven, <clears throat> I'm gonna
2: like that one a lot. Am I crazy to love Missouri here? I I, I love Missouri over South Carolina. It's like a seven-point line. I'm looking for an updated line, but
5: yeah, that's what I saw too. Uh, I like Missouri. Uh, I love Alabama, and I like Missouri. Is how I'll put it. Okay. Uh, I okay. think South Carolina got gutted last week too. Florida scoring 50 seconds left in a game. You know they hate Florida. And just there, I mean, Graham Mertz throwing for four hundred yards, like that's man, that's not that's not good. And Cook, Rusty Cook's been playing really well for Missouri. Missouri's a weird place to travel too; it's kind of a weird deal. And that was impressive. They were down fourteen nothing against Kentucky, and he came back and smacked them. Missouri's kind of pretty good this year, you know. And I like what you're thinking on Missouri too. I just think this is a spot where South Carolina got gutted last week against a team they hate. Weird trip. Missouri's fired up with only one loss off the Kentucky thing. I mean, I, I see what you're saying uh, on this one. The only thing with South Carolina, Rattler's so hot, cold. If he's hot, you know, you never know.
2: We mentioned Arkansas. They get Mississippi State at home, their first home game in more than a month. That line's sat at seven pretty much all week. I don't – it's a big number for a team that hasn't won a game in six weeks, but I don't hate Arkansas minus the seven against the Bulldogs.
5: I don't hate it either. Uh, Arkansas is always a tough place to go, as Ole Miss fans have more than learned over the years. Uh, This is Arkansas's first. How is this their first? You just said it about the schedule. This October the – October the, what, 20th is their first SEC home game? Because Dallas counted as a home game when they went to him. Four weeks in a row, you go to LSU – uh, the A and game in Dallas, and then Ole Miss and Bama. Who scheduled this? That's Brilliant. unreal. Whoever scheduled this should be. Fu- I mean, I mean, I, I just can't believe they did that. Yeah. Uh, so Arkansas should be excited. Finally, their SEC home opener. I know you mentioned off the air; it's sold out. They're pumped up. And look, Mississippi State stinks. I mean, there it's it, you know it's, it, they might have a chance at home in some games with the cowbells and stuff, but you know they're probably in trouble here. The only thing is, is it's just like a low over under. So laying seven is a lot when the game probably isn't the most high scoring. But State's bad. They're bad. Yeah. They don't know what they are on offense.
2: Some national games of interest I'm curious to get your thoughts on. Um, Florida State and Duke. Florida State giving 14 at home against Duke.
5: I lean Florida State here because the speed athleticism advantage. The fact it's a night game, too, and Duke's doing well enough They can pump themselves up for Duke because Duke beat Clemson and only has one loss to Notre Dame. Like, Florida State, you know, they're going to look at Duke and say, hey, they're ranked. This is actually a big home game. This isn't like what usually playing Duke is. So, I expect Florida State to be ready and take this game seriously, and it's a night game. So, I I just think Florida State, the athleticism advantage is, is too much.
2: The game of the week nationally is Penn State, Ohio State in Columbus. Yes. Uh, James Franklin's team quietly, man, is really good. Uh, The line you were saying before we got started, the line's a little low here. It sort of catches your eye because you look at it and your first thought is, oh, wow, you're going to let me have Ohio State and I just got to lay four and a half points. Sign me up. But sometimes that's a trap.
5: That's a trap a lot. I thought this would be Ohio State by six and a half or seven, and it came out at four, four and a half. And I saw it, and alarm bells went off when I saw that. And obviously, Ohio State's quarterback play is just not the same this year. Uh, they still have tons of talent, receiver, and stuff. But I, I just think – I thought it would be Ohio State by seven at home. And when it came out at four, I mean, it made me like Penn State. Something just feels weird about it. Just And in, in my instincts went off when I saw that. And so, Penn State, you know, you know uh, how do you say Drew Aller? Or a you yeah. know. I was saying a law, and I was wrong. It's Drew Aller. He's looked pretty good, but their defense is good. I mean, I feel like this. You know, we saw Ohio State and Notre Dame with seventeen fourteen fight to the end with Ohio State scoring. You know, I think we might have a you know kind of close one possession kind of game here, and I think I'm leaning on I'm leaning to take Penn State in the points, but like probably not a very big bet.
2: Miami and Clemson. Miami are, are, um <laughs> home underdog. The money lines one fifty four with the Canes. I know they've had the the Georgia Tech loss. They played fairly well last week before it got away from them. I'm not in love with Clemson, and Dabo had some weird things to say this week. What do you think of that game?
5: I can't figure out either one of these teams, but I will say let's all have a moment to be thankful that Miami chose Mario Cristobal over Lane Kiffin a couple of years ago um, because what the hell is the, the losing the Georgia Tech game? They had a bad first year. I mean – Anyway, I'm just just want to mention that I'm glad that worked out for Ole Miss because Lane talks, Lane at the U, Lane, at the U, Lane at the U would have been something.
2: Everybody talks <laughs> about Auburn. I'm just telling you, Lane Kiffin was going to take the Miami job if he could.
5: Well, yeah, well, he already lived down there at Fort Atlantic.
2: Yeah, I just. And,
5: but think about Lane with his personality at the U. It would have been it would have been something for sure. That
2: lines down to three, by the way. Clemson minus three at at Miami. It's a weird.
5: And I just. It's a weird one because you don't know what Miami's got left, and then Clemson's been flaky all year. So, I, th- I'm i just – I mean, I hate to sound like a cop-out, but I, I just – I'm staying away from this football
2: game. <clears throat> Here's the other interesting game. Utah minus seven at SC. SC just got – more-
5: I think SC's seven. SC seven in that game.
2: That's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. SC's a seven-point uh, seven favorite. Utah's a seven-point dog. The money line is Utah plus 215. I don't hate the money line here. I know Utah's well, you- not as good away from home, but that defense is going to – It's going to play, and and SC can't stop anyone, man.
5: Yeah, so my thing on it, I actually thought about this game a good bit. I was breaking it down yesterday. Utah, Cam Rising still hadn't come back. I don't know if he's going to play anytime this year, but the quarterback play from Utah this year without him, I mean, they're like completing 53% of their passes throwing for 100 yards a game and stuff. I mean, it's really bad. They could still run the ball and they're still physical on D, and they've dominated this USC series. They beat them twice last year. They beat them in the Pac-12 championship game. The fact that USC was seven after they just got blown out by 28, you know, I couldn't – I don't know. I can't figure that out. My opinion is the under 56-and-a-half because uh, Utah's defense has shown they can keep it in there with USC, and I think what Utah's going to do because their quarterback play, and you mentioned how USC's defense can't stop them. I think Utah's just going to come out and run the ball and try to shorten this game. So I can't believe I'm saying taken under in a USC football game in twenty twenty three, but here we are.
2: You want a crazy, you and I talked about this in a minute. A crazy potential upset. Just What's a that? Potential upset.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna get it. We talked about it. Yeah.
2: Texas goes to Houston. Houston can score a lot of points. Texas gives up some points. Look, I think Texas is going to win but I don't think people completely comprehend how big of a Super Bowl this will be for, uh, for Houston. It will be, it will be like Tulane getting Ole Miss in their campus stadium on steroids. This game is
5: – It'd be like Tulane getting LSU in there is what it would really be like.
2: Can you imagine how juiced that place would be? So that's what Houston's going to be like for Texas coming in. They're one shot, Texas leaving for the SEC. Houston's now in the Big 12. They just had that emotional win over, uh, over West Virginia – They're going to let it all hang out, nothing to lose. This is a scary spot, potentially, for Texas. Yeah, I agree
5: completely across the board. This is Houston Super Bowl. Behind the scenes, Texas and Oklahoma had been kind of blackballing Houston from getting in the Big 12. Houston's been trying to get in there forever, and they had the money. They had the money. They have the resources at Houston, and they wouldn't let them in. And they finally get in when Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. And I think it's fascinating here, too. This game's not being played at NRG, the Texan Stadium. This is on campus at Houston, which is a smaller stadium. Uh, I love Houston plus 23-and-a-half. This is their soup. This is the biggest game ever for them. And I know Houston's not great, but at home they can fight. Uh, And I'm even like, this is crazy. I've seen the money line at 11-to-1. I've even seen it at 13-to-1. Look, when I say – I'm going to put like 25 bucks on it. I'm not getting on here saying Houston's going to beat Texas. I'm getting on here saying there's a chance Houston could beat Texas because of how big a game it is. And at 11 or 13 to 1, that's good enough for me. Yeah,
2: why not, right? That's It's at 1100 yeah. what I'm looking at right now, plus 1100.
5: Yeah, but no, the 23 and a half is ridiculous. I, I mean, I expect Texas to probably win this game by like 7 to 13 points.
2: And, and Houston, te- no, Vegas expects Texas to win. the The money line on Texas is minus twenty one hundred. So, um.
5: well, Texas is just so public, though. You know, they're just a public school and brand. But I think this line. I mean, like I said, I, I think it should be like Texas by thirteen or fourteen, and it's twenty three and a half. So we're we're kind of it's a pretty pretty big difference from where I'm sitting.
2: All right, let's roll through this NFL slate a little bit. By the, by the time people hear and see this, Jacksonville and the Saints will have already played. So we'll get to the Sunday games. Uh, Detroit is at Baltimore. The, the Lions a, a three-point underdog.
5: I, I'm leaning Detroit here. I, I was always going through a thing where I couldn't trust Detroit on the road, but I was liking them at home. But they've proved me wrong. They won at Green Bay to end the Rodgers thing last year. They won at KC Thursday night. I thought that was a trap spot in Tampa last week. Tampa off by. bye. They went down to Florida. They took care of business. And then also Baltimore's 4-2, and two, but it feels a little fool's goal 4-2. and two. I don't think their offense has really clicked that much. And then the weather report doesn't look bad. Like golf stinks in really bad weather, but the weather report doesn't look bad for this one. So I'm leaning yeah, mid, into Troy plus three.
2: Here. Mid-60s and sunny in Baltimore on Sunday. Uh, ba- Baltimore,
5: Baltimore can win by three, too. You know, getting yeah. the three matters. Like Baltimore could win close, and that could, that could matter.
2: Uh, Buffalo's at New England. The the Patriots, uh, a nine-point home dog. They're bad, man. They're bad. Now, Buffalo did not look like world beaters last week, so nine points is a big number, but, ooh, the Patriots.
5: Yeah, y'all know me. I never take road favorites. That's my, how I don't bet, but I think this is a spot where you're going to get a huge Bills effort. They hate the Pats. The Pats owned them forever. Buffalo played bad on Sunday night. They overlooked the Giants with Tyrod Taylor playing – and their offense had – the Bills are very erratic, man. They'll have games where you saw it against the Jets. You saw it against the Giants. You'll see, you know, games where they're scoring 13, 14, 16 points, and then they come out and score in the 40s. I think it's got to do – I'm not a big Ken Dorsey fan. I think – I don't think he's a very good OC. Um, But I think that's kind of what it is. I think the play calling's a little – they like – last week, they like – James Cook's like running really good the first couple plays, and they just abandoned the run for no reason. I don't know. Regardless, I expect a big effort from them off looking bad Sunday night against the Giants. They hate New England. And so very rare for me to say I like an eight-and-a-half or nine-point road favorite. But I, I, think, I think Buffalo will always be fired up to play New England because of the history in that, that division.
2: Commanders go to the Giants. Uh, New York's a uh, two-point home dog.
5: I got, I've thought about it all week, and I have absolutely nothing to say whatsoever on this game. Maybe under 39.5 if I was, like, desperate. Daniel Jones is supposed to come back. Um, I bet I just, this mm. is a tough one.
2: Uh, a game that I know you're interested in, Cleveland. Uh, was your big pick last week. You nailed it. Cleveland, a three-point uh, road favorite at Indianapolis, the Colts, without Anthony Richardson. Yeah, yeah.
5: Well, the thing about Cleveland, look, I mean, I'm very – y'all see me on here, like, on Twitter. When I'm getting killed in gambling, I mean, I'm just, like, hand up. I was wrong. Like, come laugh at me. Whatever. You know, we all go through it. But, man, I woke up last Sunday morning, Neil, and I was analyzing those games. And that San Francisco line went from 6.5 to 9.5 to 10 when I saw Watson was out. And I was like, hold on. Let me check this weather report real quick. And then I saw it was real bad in Cleveland. And the number one preaching that I've always heard, like there were a couple gambling things I was taught when I was like, I don't want to say how old I was, but it was when I was a little younger probably than I should have been. And the the two lessons I always remember that I was taught by a gambling mentor, everyone overreacts to Sunday night and Monday night. If you look great on Sunday night or you look terrible on Sunday night, the next week is a huge overreaction because everybody sees it. And nobody's looked better than the Niners did in that 45-10 Dallas thing. Yeah, And then cross country, one Eastern kit, awful weather. I was like, the alarm bells just went off Sunday morning. And I tweeted it. I said, fortune favors the bold or I'm an idiot. Cleveland money line. And then I did a whole tweet that San Francisco is the raddiest public road favorite of the year. And then Cleveland, the funniest part, I don't know if y'all saw that video, Cleveland's kick or San Francisco's kicker pushes a forty-one yard right at the gun. Cleveland won nineteen seventeen, and I celebrate. And I didn't realize Robbie Gold wasn't the Niners' kicker anymore. And I was like, "Yeah, Robbie Gold missed that kick." And everybody's like, "Dude, Robbie Gold's like sits at home as a free agent." <laughs> well, I may have not known who kicked, but I still cashed this. But ticket. But he thought God
2: missed it. You made you cashed the ticket.
5: Yeah, I didn't care. But Cleveland—that was one of my favorites ever. Uh, but as far as Cleveland minus three at Indy this week, sort of like Indy. Uh, you know, hey, the thing is, Richardson's out for the year, but Minshew's not bad. And uh, Cleveland's going to have Watson back this week. You know, honestly, in this game, the over-under's 39-and-a-half. It's a dome game. Watson plays a lot better in the domes, like going back to his Houston time. I actually like the over here. Uh, I really like the over here, the 39-and-a-half. Uh, I think Cleveland does have a really good D, but, like, it's different when they're playing in that crappy weather. Uh, So I I lean over, and uh, I I like over a lot. Then I lean Indy as a three point home dog.
2: Okay. Uh, Falcons and Bucks in Tampa. The the Bucks laying two and a half, trying to bounce back after that loss to the Lions.
5: Man, I got nothing on this game, but I will mention that the I've been saying it all year. Wins Taylor. You know, Ritter threw three picks at home last week. Whenever Atlanta puts Taylor Heineke in, start betting their overs, and Atlanta's going to get a lot better because Heineke's a hell of a lot better quarterback than Ritter. And I know they're trying to take a long look at him because he's their second-round guy and all that. But I'm just when – I'm telling you that if they put Heineke in, Atlanta's going to be a
2: lot better team. So I'm waiting on that. Raiders at the Bears. Raiders a three-point favorite in Chicago. Look, the Bears lost Justin Fields. They weren't very good in the first place. The Raiders, they're not good – But they do beat the teams they're supposed to beat.
5: Yeah, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a road favorite guy, but I'm Raiders minus three or nothing. I actually like under 37.5 because I think this is going to be a crap fest. (laughs) So I think I'm I'm leaning under here.
2: Seattle uh, back at home, they're laying 7.5 against Arizona.
5: The Arizona thing, they came out fighting hard early in the year, you know, and I respect their professionalism. Uh, but I just think they're not – now Now reality's setting in here, and I think they'll fight people at home. We saw them beat Dallas at home, all that, but, you know, on the road, Seattle needs this after losing to Cincy. I mean, I, I you know, Arizona got kind of worked at the Rams last week, and I think they if, – if you can get Seattle at seven here, I think I'd do it, but seven and a half, I'm probably staying off it.
2: Uh, interesting game here. Steelers go uh, to Los Angeles to play the Rams. The Steelers getting three on the road.
5: Yeah, so this is the thing, man. The Steelers, it's very basic. Mike Tomlin's an unbelievable underdog and a crappy favorite, and he's been like that forever. And the Steelers are also off a of bye here. Uh, I'm not saying I'm taking the Steelers. I'm probably staying away, but if I had to make a pick, I'd take the Steelers, just trusting them as an underdog. But the thing about the Steelers, if you like the Steelers, you probably like the under, because if they win, it's, they're trying to muck it up. So, you know, I think it's like 42-and-a-half, something like
2: that. 43-and-a-half, 40, yep
5: okay, so I think I might look at the under there a little bit because I think this game might be kind of ugly
2: Chargers coming off a, a bad loss the game they probably could have and sh- maybe should have won now they got to go to Kansas City this is a uh, they're a five and a half point dog at arrowhead
5: uh, so this game this game's always really close uh, they played a lot of great games the last few years I mean whether it's in kC la whatever for some reason this is a series where the games are field goal games a lot so because of that, uh, probably staying away, but I, I don't I don't like the Chiefs here. Uh, okay. you know, I'm char- I'm Chargers or nothing.
2: Green Bay heads to Denver. Denver's bad. Denver uh, getting a point at home against the Pack.
5: I don't know what's going to happen on the line, but I like the under because Jordan Love and Russell Wilson both stink. <laughs> but I'm also with the caveat. I'm probably not thinking rationally because I took the over in Chiefs Broncos last Thursday night and watched Wilson throw for 95 yards, and I was. I couldn't believe I took an over in a 2023 Russell Wilson game. So I might be liking the under out of spite, just to okay. cap, just being transparent.
2: Huge game Sunday night, as it typically is uh, a game everyone will be interested in. These are two teams. This could be a preview of a Super Bowl. Uh, Miami heads to Philadelphia. The Dolphins getting two in Philly.
5: Love Philly. It's my game of the week. Philly off that road loss against the Jets. They're coming home Sunday night. Uh, Miami, I know they're the NFL Darling, and they're I'm not saying they're not a very good football team, but they're not, they've got a they've got a crazy home field advantage in Miami where I mentioned this to Neil off the air, but I'll mention it on. They designed their stadium where the visiting team has to be in the sun and Miami's in the shade in South Florida. How is that legal? What? But like, so all these northern teams come down there and they just bake on the sideline. I mean, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. But Miami, you know, I, I think this is a perfect bounce-back spot where people are going to overrate what happened to Philly against the Jets. I, I do hate that Lane Johnson got hurt because that's a big loss for Philly up front. But, I, 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 I mean, I don't even just like Philly. I love Philly, especially under a field goal Sunday night. That's my favorite game of the week.
2: And then last one, Monday night, the Niners head to Minnesota. The Niners a six-and-a-half-point road favorite.
5: Man, I don't have anything on the line, but I like the over. Uh, I think this game could get a little wilder in the dome. And uh, after I think the Niners' offense, you know, they're going to really try to get Purdy and the offense on track after how ugly it was in Cleveland. However, the thing is, man, everything went bad for them. Debo hurt his shoulder. McCaffrey's probably out this week. Trent Williams got hurt. I mean, they really got banged up in that game. So, I, I kind of need to see the injury report a little bit. But I kind of my instincts are saying uh, that that you know I, I think that after after that crappy game in Cleveland maybe you see some more points here.
2: All right, last thing, Ben, back to Ole Miss as we wrap. If I tell you Ole Miss beats Auburn on Saturday, whether it's by one point or fifty points, does that do you start doing the eleven and one dream?
5: Man, I ain't got no eleven and one. I mean, I don't want to sound like that. I mean, you always dream and they play the games, but. If the Georgia game was in Oxford, Mississippi, you sure. But the fact that it's not—I mean, I look. I'm not saying Ole Miss can't compete at Georgia. You know, they play the game for a reason. And I know Georgia may not be as good on offense as they've been. But I mean, they haven't lost in when's the last time Georgia lost?
2: It's been a long time.
5: That's what I'm saying. In Athens, I'm not doing the 11. Well. I'm doing the 10. I'm doing the 10 and two dream. If they win, though. And uh, ten wins, two out of three years for Lane would be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much something that's never been done in Ole Miss in school history. So, Listen,
2: it would it would put Ole Miss firmly in the spot of the third best team in the conference. I mean, it's it, it a would. shame.
5: Well, I had ten and two would be playoffs in the twelve team playoff too. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, and that would there.
2: be part of the talking point is that next year is going to be
5: next. Year's no, I'm, really I'm far not. Far. I'm, I will not be discussing the eleven one dream. I, I look, Ole Miss. Look, they could win in Georgia. I'm not saying they can't. They play the game for a reason, but. I gotta see it,
2: Ben. As always, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Hope to see you soon.
5: Yeah, we'll do. I'm gonna be watching the old Miss Auburn for my high school 20th year reunion party in Monroe Saturday. So the videos ought to be pretty funny.
2: What high school? Of what high school in Monroe did you go to? Uh,
5: St. Fred's Catholic School. We're doing oh, yeah. four, four class reunion because COVID got us. So we're, I'm going back to my junior year in the year 2000 this weekend, and I'm like, we're doing a tailgate for the football game. I'm getting to do help do play by play for the for the radio. For the game, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, like, nostalgic about it. But also, I mean, I try not to be much of an ego guy. I really I really do. But, I mean, I get to have fun at this reunion after all this Barstool stuff. We'll put it that way.
2: So the big <laughs> rival for St. Fred was Washington Christian?
5: Yes, and they always crush us. It's it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah, but no, I'm doing that, and then uh, I'm starting the Great Migration north to Chicago next Wednesday. Uh, I'm gonna stay in Oxford next Wednesday night, do some old Miss content. I think I'm gonna get to St. Louis Thursday, and Chicago Friday, and uh, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, I never would have thought I'm living in Chicago, but I- I'm excited about it. Uh, the new Barstool office is supposed to be starting to finally open next week, and you know it's going to kind of open in waves. But I think a really good era of Barstool Sports is about to go down in Chicago. And I, you know, I, I'll admit it—I've been getting sentimental on this NOLA thing. You know, I'm part sad. I mean, I have so many good relationships down here, but you know, how life is Neil. You're in media, man. You got one shot at this, and I mean, I feel like I got a one in a million opportunity being part of Barstool, and so right, you know, I think sure. I got to go all in on it. And I don't think sure. it's. I don't think this is like I'm in Chicago the rest of my life. I think I'm committing to like two or three years. So let's do it.
2: Look forward to hearing from you. Talk to you soon.
5: All right. I always appreciate it,
2: Neil. That does it for this Oxford Exxon podcast extra edition. Really appreciate everyone's time today. John Sokoloff with WCBI, Jason Caldwell with Inside the Auburn Tigers, Ben Mintz with Barstool Sports. All super kind to give their time for this show. Again, Ole Miss and Auburn, Jordan-Hare Stadium, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Chase Parham, Brian Rippey, will be with you for a uh, post-game show after that game. I may or may not be on that show at some point that evening, but they'll have it. They'll have it handled. We'll have full coverage at rebelgrove.com of the Rebels and the Tigers. So uh, until then, thanks for uh, joining me. I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Goodbye.